0: Thank you, January. No mic? Okay, let me uh, put it right under there. All right, can you hear me now? Okay, good. Thank you so much, January. Pastor Sam Smith. (laughs) That is weird. It doesn't seem like it was that long, well, it wasn't that long ago since I was here. And I remember having to tell people, no, you can't call me pastor. You can't do that because this, this actually can set us up for a lawsuit. That's kind of crazy, huh? Even though you just have a title, you could actually get sued for masquerading as a pastor. So I was working here, and then I, I, I was, got used to telling people, don't call me Pastor Sam. And now I am Pastor Sam Smith. And it's weird. I don't like it. We've <laughs> got these kids, um, and, and, and then I'm getting old too, because I've got these kids who were born in like 2001, and I'm able to have conversations with them. That's weird. <laughs> I, remember two th- I remember my cousin getting um, born in the year 2000, and you know, I still think of him as a little pipsqueak. And I walk into, I, I'm in my office, And this kid comes into my my office and he's talking with me and he sees something that he hadn't seen before. He points at it, he's like, what is that? And I look at it and I say, well, that is a webcam. What's a webcam? You've never seen a webcam? No, he said, I've never seen a webcam. I look at him and I, I, I recognize that he's being completely honest with me. He has no idea what this webcam is. So I said, well, um, you know, you see how it's got a USB connection? He's like, yeah, okay, good, USB isn't old. So he, he, I, I show him the USB cord, and then I show him how it connects to the camera, and I said, basically, um, you would take this and you would plug it into your laptop or your desktop computer, and then he said, what's a desktop? <laughs> and then I said, well, you know, you'd plug this into your computer if it didn't have a camera on it, and he said, laptops didn't have cameras in them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling old, and I don't like this title, Pastor Sam, but it's amazing how God has led me. And I just want to say that it's really awesome to be here, because I know today we're missing a lot of people, yeah? We're missing a lot of people? But I, if I can remember correctly, I feel like this is the amount of people that were there the first day that I was externing here. So this church is growing, amen? Isn't that awesome? God is powerful. That's the the main message of this sermon today. God is powerful. But before we get any farther, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for this growing church family, this family that loves you. And even though there's a small amount of us here today, uh, we just want to praise you for those of us who are here. We want to thank you so much for our friends up in the mountains. Keep them safe. And Father, please be with us as we have this awesome Bible study. In your name, amen. I miss you guys a lot. Okay, so I kind of forgot something. You guys don't do, um, oh, what, what scripture reading, do you? That, that hasn't happened as much? I gave a verse and then I uh, realized there wasn't scripture reading on there. So let's go look at that um, together. It's 2 Peter. And it's chapter 1. And it's verse 16, I believe. Let's read that together. For we did not follow cunningly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. Basically, what what Peter is telling this church is, guess what? We didn't make this stuff up. We saw it happen. We are witnesses. We're not storytellers. We're witnesses of the power and awesomeness of what Jesus has done. And that's what this is about because I feel like there are many people, there are many people in our churches that are atheists without even realizing it. Thus, the sermon title today is called Seventh Day... Atheists, seventh day atheists. And today's sermon, sermon the, the, the main point of this sermon is God is still powerful. Can you say Amen? God is still powerful. Now I am not al- or others are not alone. I, I am included in this atheism sometimes because right now, if you don't know, um, I am now the associate pastor at Sonora SDA Church up about an hour and a half away. And um, one, of the, uh, one of the church members there, it was kind of funny, they said, are you okay with possum for potluck? Are you okay with possum for potluck? They were trying to do the whole redneck mountain living thing on me. But it's kind of interesting, so it's a new climate, and I'm up there, and it's a great church, love working up there, but it's very interesting because it's, it's very different, and they have a new what they're calling a strategic plan, and they have this plan called the 2020 vision, which essentially is by the year 2020 haha clever 2020 vision 2020 um, they are wanting to have a thousand active members. Can you say hallelujah that is awesome a thousand active members and then I look at me and I'm like, <laughs> I went up there and um, they have this awesome youth group. We had a, the last youth group. I mean, I missed the last one, so I don't know how many were there because I was taking my brother to college. But um, the second to last one that happened, we had 50 kids at this youth group. That's pretty good, right? For little old Sonora, that's pretty awesome. But I'm being sent up there as some fresh kid that just got out of college to build this youth group. To build this youth group. No, (laughs) I don't want to do that. In fact, I went up there and my whole idea was awesome. I'm going to finally get to see a healthy youth group. And I'm going to get to watch it and kind of learn from it. Maybe tweak one or two little things. But I'm asked to be be making major changes to this youth group. And it's pretty crazy. And so what's happening in my mind is there's this impossibility. There's this impossibility. And so I go from Sam, the guy who can do some you know, pretty awesome Bible studies, at least that's what the kids say, to Sam, the guy who doesn't even believe that God has enough power to help him grow this youth group. And then we look at our church and we see, oh yeah, you know what? Jesus is coming soon. And the church needs to grow. But we can't even get more people to come to prayer meetings. We can't even get more people to come to potluck. We can't even come up with a, a, a feasible goal to make our churches grow. Now, clearly Parkwood doesn't have that problem, as I already said. Maybe a little bit. Okay. Because we'd like to have this church overflowing right now, right? Yeah. Sonora? Sonora SDA Church. Or S- Sonora. Now they're changing it to Sonora Discover Life Seventh-day Adventist Church. Okay. It's kind of long here. Yeah, yeah. It's an awesome church. It's an awesome church. Do it. So, we have this awesome church at, up there, and and we have this awesome church worldwide, but we're struggling to grow it because we know deep down that Jesus is coming soon. We've got to be getting ready, people ready, but we don't even have God, or even have enough trust in God to make him grow even the little things. Now, um, I don't know, CVCA is an awesome school, um, but but for the for a little bit there, um, we were kind of afraid because our m- numbers were falling back, and we kind of have the same thing at Malaja Our numbers were kind of falling back. And, and the worst thing, around here, we used to have a whole bunch of little schools too, right? They're closed now. And so it's like, instead of thinking, we need to grow these schools because they're awesome. Can you say CVCA is awesome? I can, it was awesome. Can you say, well, I don't know if if you can because you might not know it, but I can say Malajah is awesome. I can say our schools are awesome and they should be growing. But we're having a little bit of trouble. Our churches are are, are not growing. What is going on here? And I think that a big problem with this is we just don't have the trust in God. Now some of us are hearing this and saying, "Uh, I've, I've heard this kind of thing before. Listen up. Let's look at someone who had the same problem. Judges chapter 13. Samson. Judges chapter 13. Samson is born into this time of turmoil in Israel. Israel has come in, this is before the time of the kings, Israel has come into this new land from wandering into the wilderness And they are faithful to God sometimes and then very unfaithful to God many other times. And they start losing people. They start falling off the wagon. They completely abandon God. And what happens? God sends a group of people called the Philistines. Who were they? The Philistines to mess things up. In fact, He sends them in to mess things up For 40 years. Now, something interesting about the Philistines, were the Philistines native to the land? No. They actually weren't. The Philistines were not actually native to Israel. Now, Israel had had a little bit of a time driving out these other nations, and there's the sermon in that one too, some tough things that the Bible says about what happens when Israel comes into the land. Now, it's interesting because if you, f- if you read the Bible, God's original plan was a non-violent solution to drive these other people out of the land of Canaan, the promised land that God had promised the Israelites from the time of Abraham. But these people are so unfaithful that even after these other people were driven out, these other people come in called the Philistines. And the Philistines were from Phoenicia, and they actually means, it actually means the people of the sea, and they came in and they started to fight the Israelites. So the invaders, the Israelites, were actually getting invaded, and they started getting taken out. They started getting eliminated, and then eventually the, the Philistines actually gained control over Israel. The Philistines actually gained control over Israel. Now something interesting is the Philistines, Philistine is where we get the word Palestine. So it's kind of crazy that this group of invaders that um, came in because the the Israelites weren't faithful to God, they're actually the the people that the country is named after. So the Philistines, Palestine, Philistines, this is the same region. And these Philistines are ruling over Israel for 40 years when all of a sudden God makes one of these crazy promises that he does quite a few times because Samson's parents were barren. They couldn't have any kids of their own. And so Samson's, um, so so God decides that he's going to answer this difficult situation that the Israelites had put themselves in by answering it through an impossible situation. And this is so awesome because if God can do that, if God can even just give a child to these people who are barren, surely he can liberate a country. So God raises up this this guy, Samson. But before that happens, he goes into his mom and he tells his mom what's going to happen. He tells his mom... Guess what? You are going to have a son. She's so excited, she runs back to her husband Manoah, and Manoah's like, well, if it's true, because you're just a woman, I'm not going to believe you. Um, If it's true, then God's going to send an angel to both of us. And so God sends an angel... Um, and if you read it, it's actually Jesus. It's the angel of the Lord. So Jesus actually comes to these two, and he tells them both, you're going to have a son who's going to liberate Israel, but there are a few stipulations. He had to take the oath of a Nazarene. He had to not drink. He had to not shave, not cut his hair. He had to avoid the fruit of the vine. And so this was to show that his family had consecrated him to God. But Manoah, something interesting here, Manoah didn't trust the power of God either, or at least he didn't, uh, didn't trust something fundamental about God. Because after the angel left, he went from being so excited that he just saw this angel and he was going to have the son that was going to liberate Israel to all of a sudden being ex- extremely depressed because he thought they were going to die. Now this is something that we that I like to call a misunderstanding of the character of God. Because he get he asks for this angel and because God wants a relationship with us, God wants us to be able to trust him and to love him. All of a sudden we see all of a sudden we see that that this guy switches it around and is like, "Oh no, no, we just saw the face of God. Now we're going to die." Because Manoah was a good Bible student. Manoah understood that when Moses w- went up to Mount Sinai, he asked to see God's face, and God told him, no one can see my face and live. So Manoah wasn't a bad, uh, maybe unreligious father. Manoah was very religious. He understood the Scriptures. But he misunderstood who God's character is, what God's character is. And if we go to 1 John 4:8, 8, we, we see that God's character is actually love. God's character is actually selflessness. God's character is actually putting others first. God's character is one that that, um, promotes friendship. And so Manoah misunderstood this because he was a good Bible student, but he missed the point. And so Manoah was concerned that his son, or that both his wife and him were going to die because they looked at the angel of the Lord. Now, this is speculation, but here's the thing. I don't want to pin Manoah just for this thing that some of us might think is a minor, minor misunderstanding. But he, in doing this, even though he was a good Bible student, didn't do a small misunderstanding. He misunderstood the character of God. He misunderstood the character of God. And so he probably, um, he probably rose Moses to understand this. To have the same misunderstanding, I mean. How many of you are misunderstanding what I'm saying? Um, (laughs) So Moses was raised by his father who had this misunderstanding of who God was. And so Moses, as we're going to see, had a very legalistic relationship with God. Moses, Samson, (laughs) that's like the joke. Okay, thank you for the correction. Yeah, how many people did Elijah take onto the ark? Um, so, so Samson was raised by his father Manoah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we could do another one with that. So, so Samson is raised by his father Manoah with this misunderstanding of the character of God. And so Samson comes up and it seems pretty cool because Samson's first, um, the, the, the first thing that we see of Samson is, is him being married. Now is marriage a good thing? Husbands? Yeah? <laughs> Whoa, okay, I heard it can be. Yeah, that's that's true. There are some very unhappy marriages. I'm just married. My wife is here. Her name's Sarah. Some of you have met her before. We've been married for two months now. And um, we've been loving it. So marriage is good. And I can tell you that marriage is something that has shown me God's character. Um, marriage is something that has shown me the importance of selflessness. But Samson gets married, and his marriage is something that God can't honor. Why? Who is he marrying? Okay, she's a Philistine. Okay, now what's so bad about her being a Philistine? Okay, she's not godly. Okay, that's good. Um, And she's someone that, yeah, she's not worshipping the God of heaven. But there's even a more intense reason why I don't think this marriage should have been blessed. Well, that's another one. Yeah, he's supposed to kill all of his in-laws, right? There's even a better one. Samson gives his groomsmen a riddle. And in this riddle, he says he, he killed a lion and, and uh, later he came back a few weeks later and this lion, this dead lion carcass, had a bee's nest in it. And so he reached in the bee's nest and pulled out um, this, this honey. This was the riddle, in fact. Out of the eater came something to eat, out of the strong came something sweet. And so he put this to his his groomsmen and basically made a bet with them. And his groomsmen came to his bride and said, if you don't tell us what the answer to this riddle is, we're going to kill you. We're going to burn you, in fact. Now, of course, she doesn't want to get burnt, so she tells Samson. But you know what's really interesting? What the Bible says is Samson actually turns uh, turns to them after they tell him what the answer to the riddle is. He says, if you hadn't talked with my heifer, you wouldn't have found out the answer. What does that say about his relationship to his wife? Yeah, so even worse than her being unfaithful to God, even worse than her being you know, part, of, part of the group of people that God is wanting to dispel from this land, no, Samson misunderstands the importance and the relationship that marriage is supposed to have. And so Samson treats his wife poorly, and you can already see the bitterness in his understanding of what this relationship is supposed to be. So then Samson uh, actually uh, leaves his wife, and these people, these Philistines, actually come and then they kill her. Samson then begins this massive destruction, this this Sherman's march to the, the Georgian coast kind of a thing. And Samson just starts killing all of these people, all of these Philistines. Now let me ask you a question. Going back, Samson marrying a Philistine, do you think that he had uh, do you think that he shared the common understanding that those Philistines needed to be taken out? If he was going to marry one and become part of the family of one? No. So he totally misunderstood what God's, promp- what, what God's purpose was, him for, was for him from the beginning. But then he starts destroying everything out of a zealousness to do what, what was right for God. No. Why did he start killing all these people? He started killing these people for revenge because he disliked them, because he was angry with them. He starts killing all of these Philistines and he was doing it for the right reasons. No, he was not. And so he became a legalist Just like his father Manoah, who did understand the Scriptures, but totally misunderstand the purpose for what God had had for his son, Samson took on that misunderstanding. Samson decided, yeah, I'm here to take out the Philistines, but I'll do it on my own terms. I'll do it for my purposes. I'll do it for what gains me respect. I'll do it for what gains me notoriety and publicity. And so Samson is doing all of these things And just like us, as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, he starts doing the right things for the wrong reasons. What do I mean by that? Okay, so I'm working in the early teen tent at Soquel Camp Meeting three years ago, and we talk to all the early teens, and we say, early teens, how can you show the love of Jesus to someone? Quiet. One kid raises their hand. Um, we could give them a glow tract? No, is that a good way? Yes or no? Sure. Sure, yeah. Then we turn to the rest of them. Anybody else? Dead silence. Okay, what's another way? Okay, awesome. (laughs) So, <laughs> he met, I think he met helping people. Okay, yeah. So, they're, they're, but th- these kids didn't have a single way to help these other people out. How to show them Jesus, except give them glow tracks. Woo! Is that good? No. Now, Jandel and Dante, is he up there, up, up in the hills? Yeah. So Jandel and Dante, that was part of my job being here a few summers ago, was to start a glow ministry. Is that good? Yes or no? Yes. Jandel, do you like glowing? Yeah, he does. Okay. A little bit forced, but yeah, he does. Do people come to Jesus through passing out literature? Yeah. Yeah, they do. I've I've done quite a few baptismal studies that originated from somebody getting some sort of literature. So that's good. But the point is, we're kind of raising a generation here that thinks there are only a few ways to help people. I'll give you one of my own, (laughs) this is going to make me look bad, uh, one of of my own things that I've done that I regret. I see this homeless guy in Sonora, I'm driving, and uh, I I see him by the side of the road. I I don't really have a whole lot to do. Um, but I see him and I'm kind of like, well, I need to do something to help him, but I I don't really want to get too engaged. So I have um, the book Messiah um, that's based on the life of Jesus, and I took that and I opened my wallet and I gave him four bucks and I handed it to him. Yeah, I'm a good Christian, right? What would Jesus have done in that situation? Truth is, I I don't know. (laughs) Maybe he would heal him, maybe maybe he would feed him. The least I could have done is I could have parked my car and walked up to the guy and just listened to him, asked him what he needed. But my idea of helping him was giving him a book from a complete stranger, and you know h- how many of you would read a book if just some random stranger gave it to you? Maybe if it was accompanied by like a hundred dollar bill or something but But the point is we're missing the the point we're missing how we're supposed to be doing our mission. Are we spreading the gospel, yes or no? We as a church, are, are we doing that? Yes and no, Ye- yes and no. okay. That's a, good qu- that, that's a good point. Some of us are, some of us aren't, and I think all of us stumble. So um, my, my grandpa, for instance, who's here, um, he went to, how many of you guys, did anybody else go to the, th- the thing at the bay? was it ASI, Papa? Was it ASI? Yeah, build, building bridges, and they did a free medical clinic for a ton of people there. Wasn't that awesome? Yeah. Now I'm. I'm not. <laughs> now it sounds like I'm going after my grandpa. I'm not. But but what if we, as a church, focus doing doing medical stuff for people over there on a consistent basis? You know what I'm saying? Because Jesus did things consistently and constantly because he wasn't just trying to get people to like him. He was trying to build relationships with people. Now, let's see. Here's another one. The health message. Isn't that awesome? How many of you love the health message? I love the health message. We have an excellent CHIP program up there in Sonora. But here's the thing. A lot of us do our health message by sharing links on Facebook. Have you seen those? <laughs> Maybe you've posted some of those. I've, I've done it a couple times. Well, well, somebody posted a link, one of my Facebook friends posted a link um, for reasons not to eat pork. Now, my grandpa, I just embarrassed him, <laughs> he, he can tell you a lot of the reasons, valid medical reasons why you shouldn't eat pork. But this person posted this link, didn't do any research on it, posted this link about why not to eat pork. And I started reading through some of these things and they didn't have any sources cited and as a good college student, I was suspicious. So (laughs) I started doing research and one of the points that they said about not not eating pork, one reason why you couldn't eat pork, is because pigs don't sweat. Well, guess what else doesn't sweat? Sheep. (laughs) Jesus ate sheep. (laughs) <laughs> Sheep is clean. So the, the problem is we do kind of, uh, and we do this in a lot of ways, we'll post links or we'll tell people information that we haven't done research on. We'll post things that we haven't even spent time studying for ourselves because we're helping advance the health message. When really people, well really we're, we're giving bad information or we are giving information to people that know better who are gonna do research and then be like, well, you're wacky, I'm not gonna listen to anything else you say. We we have this easy method. We have an easy method of doing things. And it works for us, right? Now, here, let me give you a really awesome idea. Now, there are a lot of ways you can help people, but I'm just gonna give you one. Here's an awesome idea. You want a tangible way to help, to let your community see that you care about them, like a tangible way? This is a really good, good, good way. I want to try it out in Sonora. Basically, you get everyone together in the church and you agree on a place that you can eat. Now, I realize uh, there are a lot of people who, you know, maybe can't do this. One, one pastor recommended yogurt. What if, how many of you like Thai food? Do you like Thai food? Is there good vegan Thai food? There's some good vegan Thai food. What if you got everyone in this church, or at least a bunch of people from this church together, and you went to a business and said, we're going to bless your business. We're going to show your business we care about you. And so all of our church members, or as many church members as like Thai food, are going to go to your business, and we're all going to buy food from you and then we might pray with you a little bit. Would that be okay? Is that a good tangible way to provide for someone in the community? That's awesome because instead of saying, here's a little glow track, I'm gonna run away now, you're actually going to this person and saying, I'm gonna take my time and money, my business, and I'm going to invest it in you because I actually want you to succeed. Isn't that awesome? So going back to Samson, Samson had this misunderstanding of how he was supposed to carry out his mission. And he starts just killing everyone on this really big revenge spree. And at one point he actually kills 3,000 people with what? With a jawbone of a donkey. Is this guy like mega warrior? Awesome warrior? You do not want to meet this guy in in even a light, well lit alley. He's a crazy guy. And so this guy's killing everyone. Now, think about it. There's a lot of death in the Old Testament, right? Does Jesus make it pretty clear in the New Testament that it's probably not the best thing to just kill everyone? Pretty clear, right? If this guy can kill 3,000 people with the jawbone of a donkey, do you think he could have probably figured out a way to get these people out without killing them? Just think about that for a second. Because there is a lot of killing, and there are a lot of sermons you could preach on the Old Testament. There are a lot of hard teachings in the Old Testament. But think about it. This guy kills 3,000 people with the jawbone of a donkey. Do you think that he could have probably come up with a different way to get these people out of Israel? More than likely, more than likely. This guy that, that we see also is very immoral in other ways too, isn't he? Because after his wife died, he didn't, he didn't mourn for her in his revenge spree. What did he do? He started going to all of these prostitutes' places. And in fact, I love it because right after Samson um, defeats the Philistines in um, f- chapter 15 with the jawbone of the donkey, He prays to God and he's like, God, I'm so happy. Thank you so much for delivering all of these uncircumcised, infidel Philistines into my hands. Yeah, we just killed them all. That's awesome. Thank you, God. Next, next verse, (laughs) chapter 16. Samson went to Gaza and there saw a prostitute and he went into her. Good godly guy, right? So, Samson is this immoral guy, killing all of these people on this revenge spree, going about God's work completely in the wrong way, and God is still faithful to him. Why? My question is why? God loves everybody, right? Sermon on the Mount. Jesus may, or he, Jesus says that God makes his rain fall on the righteous and the unrighteousness. Uh, unrighteous, the sun to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous. God loves everyone, but why didn't God take care of other people this way? Because if you look at the story of Samson, Samson was a probably a really strong guy. He was eating healthly, Healthy. He was sticking with the health message. This guy was awesome, but. Even then, do you think it's realistic that he killed 3,000 people without the Spirit of God helping him out a little bit? No. Even though it wasn't exactly what God's will was, Sam- God was still sticking with Samson. Why? God had a plan. God had a plan. But God has a plan for everyone. In fact, when you read, in the, here's a great verse to show you that, that free will exists. This is a biblical example if you go and you look in in the book of Mark, we don't have time to turn there right now, but if you go there and look in the book of Mark, um, the, the Pharisees and the scribes are with John the Baptist, right? And John the Baptist is preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you know what the Bible says? They went away rejecting the will of God for themselves. So God has a plan for everyone. God has a plan for everyone, even the guy who just completely. God had a plan for Judas. And it wasn't betraying Jesus. Judas wasn't predestined to, to betray Jesus. God has a plan for everyone. So, yes, God had a plan for Samson, but why was God sticking with Samson till the end? Okay, he was willing. He was willing. Yeah, but he was still disobeying God's plan. Why was God so faithful to Samson? I've got an, uh, God's made pr- pr- promises to other people too, though. This is why. Samson had a mother who prayed for him continually. God's not a jerk who's like, I'm, if, if you don't pray um, to me, then I'm not going to listen to you. That's not how God works. Did you hear what I just said? A lot of people think that when you pray to God, it's like this. Well, now that you've prayed to me, I'll answer you because you've showed me that you like me. Now that you've given me this prayer, now that you've showed me this, now I will, because I'm all-powerful, come into your life and do whatever needs to happen. That's not how prayer works, friends. That's not how prayer works. Prayer works this way. God is such an awesome guy. God is such a gentleman. He will not force. He will not bulldoze into your life. God must have permission to enter your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes? God's not going to force Himself into your life. He needs permission And the awesome thing about God is God is willing, God can intervene even if someone else is praying for another person who needs it. And so Samson, the cruel jerk, the cruel womanizer jerk murderer that Samson is can still be used by God because his mother was faithful to God. Now I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I'm sure that there are families in here who have family members who are not in the church. Yeah? There are people in here who have empty holes in their hearts because their loved ones are not in the hurt. Her- uh, they're not in here. They're not in church. They don't have a relationship with Jesus. You know that makes Jesus cry too? But you have power because you can intercede for them. You can pray for them. You, yourself, can actually intercede for someone and allow God to mess up their life. That sounds terrible. But allow God to come in and and mess up their life to show them that they need Him. Do you know what I'm saying? If you have someone who's just cool with life, They don't need God. You can actually pray and ask God, God, show them how much they need you. Show show them how much trouble they are actually in and they don't even realize it. Show them that they need you. Isn't that awesome? You can actually intercede for people. You can actually pray that God would have the ability to go into their lives. Now, here's the catch. Knew it was coming. The catch is that God values their free will too, and so even though God may be intercede, He might be going into their lives for you. He is not going to force them to accept you. But let me tell you, there's no more nothing more powerful than someone praying for you. And so Samson's mother was faithful to God even though Samson wasn't. And so even though Samson, this big marauding, womanizing jerk, is walking around doing who knows what besides God's will, his mother is praying for him. His mother is bringing about this ability for God to intercede in his life. And so Samson... Hooks up with this girl named Delilah. Delilah, no, not that. God hooks up, or no, no, Samson hooks up with this girl named Delilah. And this girl named Delilah, she starts talking with the Philistines and saying, hey, guess what? This guy Samson's at my house. And then they say, oh, yeah, well, how much do you want for betraying him? We want to catch him. And so she starts interrogating Samson, asking for different ways that she can get into his life. Now, here's, here's another point. How many of us associate with people we know we're not supposed to associate with? Again, rhetorical question, no hands. You hang out with someone you know you're not supposed to hang out with, and they keep... Tempting you. This is what's happening with Samson and Delilah. So Samson tells her these things to throw her off because Samson has a secret. If he gets his hair cut, what's going to happen? Now, was his hair magical? What was so important about the hair? It was a sign, right? It was a sign. And so Samson's holding this Um, Samson's holding the secret from her and she keeps uh, trying to get him for what my Bible says is 1,100 pieces of silver. The Philistines wanted this guy dead. So Samson keeps lying to her. Tie me up with rope. Tie me up with new cord. Do all these things to me. And Samson keeps breaking out whenever the Philistines rush in. Now, this is an important point. Did Samson have experience with the Philistines rushing into him all the time? Yes. So, was that anything new to him? No. Okay. Let's think about this then. Samson tells her, S- Samson tells Delilah finally what his secret is in verse 14 of Judges chapter 16. So while he slept, Delilah took the seven locks of his head and wove them... Oh, no, 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 no. This is the webbing into the weave. He did that to her too. He was mean. (laughs) And then Samson finally takes... Samson finally takes... um, Excuse me. Samson finally tells her what's going to happen in verse 17. He says, A razor has never been upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite Um, to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Now, a lot of people stop right there and they say, Samson was stupid. Sorry, bad word parents, I'm sorry. Samson was dumb. (coughs) Samson was dumb. Was Samson dumb? Why? Why wasn't Samson dumb? How do we know Samson wasn't dumb? Okay, he followed God. Th- that would make him dumb, though. So why do we know he wasn't dumb? Because when I read, Samson's a pretty smart guy. Because he catches those, th- the, a, lot, a lot of times our Bibles translate the foxes, as Samson ty- tying foxes' tails together. It's actually jackals, or like coyotes. So Samson ties those coyotes together. That's a pretty smart move. Um, with the fire and sets all their, their fields aflame, he comes up with some riddles. That's pretty good. He he's not a dumb guy. In fact, he knows how to not get it. He knows when not to fight the Philistines. He's a str- he he knows strategy. He's tactical. So the dude's not dumb. Why in the world did he give his secret away? Let's keep reading. When Delilah saw that... And, and, and why did he give his secret away when he knew that she was trying to betray him? When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she went and called in the lords from the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Now that's one thing that I've always wondered about this story. Why did the Philistines keep trusting her? <laughs> You'd start thinking, well, you know, these two are... You know, in love or some sort of amalgamation of it. Maybe they're both trying to kill us. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. Now, look at this, verse 20. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. Is that anything new to Samson? No, that's nothing new to Samson. The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he woke up from his sleep and said, I will go out as other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Now check this out. The guy's a Nazarite, right? So has he ever felt the breeze go over his bald scalp? Has he ever had a time when he couldn't feel the weight of his hair. So he wakes up. Now, every time before he had recognized the Philistines were coming in, we already established that wasn't anything new to him, right? The only thing that should have been new to him would be that his hair was gone. But even when his hair was gone, he still thought he had his strength. What does that tell you? He didn't trust God. He didn't even take God by his word. He was an atheist. How many of us, when we experience just a tiny bit of success, are willing to take the credit for, that of, take the credit for ourselves when it really belongs to God? Samson did the same thing. Samson was an atheist. Samson doubted what God had said. He wakes up. First thing he should have realized is his hair was gone, but he still thought he had his strength. He was an atheist. Now, what happens after that? Not very pretty sight, right? They capture him, they bind him. They put out both of his eyes, they strap him to this mill, and so he's just kind of going around in circles. They're, they're jabbing at him. And if he's, being, if he's able to, to push a millstone, you still know that he has some strength from his, from his diet, but you definitely recognize that, God, that God's power has left him. Until one day the rulers of the Philistines come together in Gaza. And they bring Samson, who's the Israelite champion, and they put him between two pillars to mock him. Now, what has Samson realized during that time? That his real strength was because of God. Who did he start trusting in? God. Here's the thing. We, co- we, we complicate faith. We complicate what it takes to be righteous. Samson just acknowledged who God was, and he was able to do it. There was no strategic planning. He didn't start a new um, P90X workout or anything like that. The only thing different that Samson did this time from all the other times is he trusted in God. Now they have this big party, and Samson is right there, and he prays a prayer of faith, and he pushes these two pillars, and what happens? The whole place falls down, killing all the Philistines and Samson as well. Woo. One prayer of faith as opposed to a whole lifetime of sin. even if you've lived a life that was just completely destroyed, completely selfish, completely lacking God, you can pray, you can have a sincere heart, and God will recognize that heart, and he can save you. He can use you for his purpose. Can you say amen to that? You can make it look like your life is just completely off track, and in one swoop, God can change everything, everything, with one prayer with one absolute recognition that God is powerful. Now think about this. Samson is dead, and the last couple verses of Judges chapter 16 say that his friends and his family come and collect his body. This happened in Gaza. I told you to remember that, right? This event happened in Gaza where Samson finally kills all of these Philistines and himself. Samson though he'd been ruling for 20 years, though judging for 20 years, the Bible says, in 20 years, he wasn't able to take out all the Philistines. But in this one thing, he killed all of the Philistines. And how do we know that? Because Gaza is a city right off the coast. It's about as far from Israel as you can get and still be in Philistia. And his family is able to waltz right in and do what? Take his body. Do you think that they would have let his family take his body if there was still a significant Philistine presence there? No. So get this. In 20 years, Samson, striving to try to do the best that he could by himself through his own strength. He couldn't kill him. But when he prayed and asked God for his help, God was able to do the whole thing in one event. That's pretty awesome, huh? Now here's the thing, church. There are many of us who are atheists, and I I said the whole thing uh, because we, we don't believe the promises of God. We don't trust Scripture. We don't trust prayer. And many of us, we see our churches in retreat, and we're like, what can we do? What can we do to make these things succeed? And this is my challenge to you. It's not that we have to be in the right state of mind or any weird thing like that. We need to come together as a church and pray. We need to come and ask God for faith so we can see what he sees because God is still powerful. Amen? God is still able to do great things. We're struggling with this work. There are billions of people in this world and there are only a few million of us Adventists. And we're struggling because we're like, we can't get this work finished. We can't get it done. Maybe we're doing it wrong. What do you think? Maybe if we trust in God, maybe this work that has taken us close to 200 years now, maybe we would be able to do it very quickly because it wouldn't be us doing it. Who would be doing it? It would be God. This is my, I know I'm over time. This is my appeal to you, church family. God is able to do great things still. God is still powerful. My one appeal Four words, get on your knees. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for the story of Samson. We want to thank you so much that you are a God who is with us to the end. We want to thank you so much for praying families. We pray that you would be with those of us, our our members here who are not here at this church or up at the retreat or anywhere else. We don't know where they are. We pray that you would intercede in their lives. We pray for our world, Father. We pray for sincere faith in your power because it's not going to be by our power. It's going to be by your power that this work gets done. It's going to be by your power that death and sin and suffering are going to end. We thank you so much, Jesus. In your name, amen.